couple of you greeted me this morning and said you were excellent, which is a great answer because there's no other reason, is there? We serve a holy God, a righteous God, a God who has saved us from our sins, a God who has set us on a path to eternity, a God who has said he'll never leave us nor forsake us, a God who has said he'll provide all our needs according to his riches and glory, a God who is with us right now. Why would we not be excellent? Hey, So how are you? Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, really excited this morning as always, but for a special reason... Um, as I scan the room, where are you, Bronwyn? She was here. Oh, she's gone. Oh, Bronwyn and Daniel. Daniel's here? Daniel's there, and Daniel's got the parcel. Oh. Hey, so little Anna arrived this week? Yeah, Saturday gone. Saturday, okay. So she's a week old. Um, Congratulations, guys. Yeah. You do, you do realise that um, at this time of year, the name Anna is, very, is pretty important. You know, Anna was one of the two that was waiting. Anna is a prophetess who lived in the church, who says lived in the temple, and, and it was Anna, who, and Simon of, Simon, of course who greeted Christ, and there she is. Can we, can we invite these guys up and just pray for them? Come on, guys, don't sit down. <laughs> um. So where's Russ? Has Russ left the room? He was out here. Russ has left the room? There she is. And of course she's the perfect baby, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, so we just, I'm going to ask Russ, do you mind Russ? Yeah. If you pray, pray for the, these guys. And, um. Please uh, bow your hearts with us. Uh, Father, we, we do thank you for thank you. Stephen's family. Mm. Thank you for Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Yeah. yeah, so take the take the opportunity to introduce yourself. I don't know if you'll get her out of her mother's arms yet. 
Not yet, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think Steve, uh, Rod mentioned there's a few of us away. Um, Ken is in hospital at the moment. They're trying to work out. I was talking to Ken last night and they, they, they told him he had pneumonia the other day and now they're not so sure about that. Um, is that right, Brenda? Yeah, now they're not so sure about that, so apparently he doesn't. But uh, he said he was feeling fine last night and uh, hoped to be out today. I think he's been saying that for the last few days, but yeah. yeah. Um, so be praying for Ken. We'll pray for Ken. Um, many of us, again, on the road. Jim and Moya from Queensland. Um, they'll be heading back, I think, tomorrow or the next day. Um, and there's a bunch of us. Um, so as you celebrate Christ this holiday, uh, remember you're a part of a family, you know, a family uh, that has been brought together in and through his blood and that we are blood brothers and sisters, right, of the eternal family of God. So be mindful of one another. You know, it's a great prayer, Lord, just every day ask the Lord to put someone upon your heart that's a part of the family because Christmas while we rejoice is not always the best of times is it for everybody for various reasons so um, let's pray one more time Father in heaven oh what a great thing it is to know you what a wonderful thing it is to be called your child to be a part of this eternal family to know Lord your heart towards us your hand upon us your commitment to us, Father. It is so glorious. And Lord, we just commit our brothers and sisters to you, wherever they may be in this great land, in this world. And, and may they know your presence. May they know your comfort. We think of Ken this morning, Lord. We pray for your healing hand upon his body, that you would just restore him speedily, Father. And uh, be with Brenda, uh, Brenda, Lord. Just comfort her and strengthen her in this time. And and Father, for all of us, we want to rejoice around the finished work of Jesus Christ. We know it doesn't end in a, in, a, in a cradle, but ends upon a cross where that cry, it is finished, happens, Lord God. And we know, as, as Rod has already said, Lord, the job is done. It is finished, and we rest in that. And uh, we thank you, Father, for the sufficiency of your wonderful grace that because of this cross pours out upon our lives and into our lives and through our lives. And so we pray, Lord, may we be a great blessing this Christmas to our families and to those that don't know you and those that maybe even resist you, Lord God. Lord, give us these words. Give us this, this heart. Give us this desire to be even, Lord, as Christ was, to look upon the unsaved as sheep without a shepherd. And may we direct them to the good shepherd, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to open your Bibles with me, we're going to a familiar... I was going to keep plowing... If you're a visitor this morning, we are in the book of Romans. And, and I was just going to keep on plowing through Romans. But we're in pretty, a pretty intense passage in Romans. So it is Christmas. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 7. And we'll take a break for a couple of weeks from Romans. And the reason I'm in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we know this, uh, this verse very well, um, is because 
I was going to go to the Gospels this morning and share the Christmas story from Luke or John's story or even Matthew's story. I wasn't quite sure. And, and then, right or wrong, I've been hearing, I've been hearing you know, through media and, and, news, and news bulletins and, and just stories about who Jesus was. You know, the real Jesus, who he really was. And, and one thing that kept on cropping up this week is this refutation. That's the wrong word. Refuta. I'm making a word up here, aren't I? They were refuting, and I saw it a few times this week, the virgin birth of Christ. You know? And it, it's something that, um, well, Jesus um, asked the Pharisees, in fact, he asked the question, who do you think? Who do you think that the, son, that the Christ, whose son would he be? Or whose son is he? Jesus asked that question. And a lot of people are answering that question now, apart from what the word of God says. And so we know the gospel story, don't we? We know this Christmas story very well. It, it, you know, year in and year out, we hear it, we read it, and we consider it. So, the, so what I'm asking you to consider this morning is that one day Mary turns up. Is that the right way to do it? I don't know. I don't know. Mary turns up carrying a child. Um, and over the centuries, um, you know, Joseph, of course, was the first one who had doubts about that, wasn't he? You know, because the, the Gospels tell us, Matthew's Gospel tells us, that he sought to put her away privately, it says, until the Lord ministered to his heart, you know. But ever since then, people have been questioning the reality of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. You know, many people still think, there are people that simply think that the virgin birth story is a story that Mary concocted herself to explain away her own indiscretions. You know, people say that and many different other thoughts about it. At the end of the day, people say the virgin birth is a foolish story for foolish people to believe. Have you heard that? Have you had that put upon you? You know, and uh, they say it's a fairy tale. You know, there are even... And this is, what, this is what directed me to Isaiah this week. I was watching a story, a documentary in fact... And they had this notable group of um, Bible scholars, theologians, who are all one after another refuting the fact of the virgin, virgin birth. In fact, refuting the necessity of the virgin birth. And, um, and there are believers even today who are prepared to believe in many miracles that are, that are declared through the scriptures. But at the same time, they find the miraculous birth of Christ is simply something they cannot believe as if it's a bridge too far or something too hard for God to orchestrate or something like that. But sadly, many of them simply see it as unimportant. And I hope that's not us today because it is... His unique birth is absolutely necessary if you are going to be a child of the Most High God. Jesus' conception, if we can use that word, was absolutely unique. And it came about, this is what the Bible teaches us, doesn't it? It came about through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit using Mary as a vessel to accomplish God's eternal plan of salvation. The virgin birth, I've got to say it again to you this morning, is an absolute necessity. 
It is an absolute necessity. I, am, I, I go as far to say, without the virgin birth, you cannot be saved. You cannot be a child of God without the virgin birth. An absolute necessity. First of all, it is clearly taught in the scriptures, right? First of all, it is given to us through the authority of God's word. From the very beginning, in fact, we go back to the creation story. We go back to Genesis in chapter 3. After the fall of man, remember the fall of man. Man walks away from the will of God and the, and the, and the curse of God comes down upon humanity. But he said in that curse, he said, I would enmity between you and the woman. He was speaking to Satan who deceived the woman in the garden. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. Now in the scriptures and anywhere else for that fact, the only place that where seed is found, the idea of seed is always coming from the male, isn't it? The seed is the male's responsibility and in the scriptures the only place where a seed is found or referenced to as coming from the woman comes through Eve and it is her seed, it is not the seed of a man that's going to bring about, that would bring about the downfall of Satan's influence in this world. Not the seed of a man, but the seed of a woman. It's special. It's saying there's something special about this promise of God. It's saying there's something unique about this promise of God. And so we have the prophet Isaiah saying in verse 14 of chapter 7, if you're there, you know it well. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what, people? God with us. It's about as plain as the nose on my face, don't you think? It's pretty plain, right? Now, here's the thing, and this is where people want to jump or create a hoop for us to jump through. This word virgin, behold, a virgin, um, is the, is the Hebrew word Alma, A-L-M-A-H, Alma. And it is true, while it's, it, it, it is true, it can refer both to a virgin or a young woman. So it can be used in two different ways and is used in two different ways in the scripture. So this is one of those instances where we've got to rely upon the context to be able to understand which way this should be properly translated. So let's look a little closer. So it says in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it begins, The Lord himself will give you a sign. I think that's a very important part of this story. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. And, and here's the sign. What's the sign? The Alma is the Hebrew word, will be with child. Now let me ask you this question. What, what would it be a sign if a young woman was to be found with child? This is a sign of God to speak to all of mankind. A woman would be found with a child. Would it be a sign? Well, it might be a sign to the father. It might be a sign to the immediate family. But would it be a sign to humanity? Well, not really, right? Because that's happening on this planet every single day. We just prayed for a young baby, didn't we? A young woman we found to have a child. Now, Isaiah is saying the thing that will make this pregnancy very, very unique is the thing that this is going to be a sign to God is that this, is that this child will be conceived of a virgin, will be brought forth of a virgin. So, here's the question. 
And this is what people are balked at, believers in fact. If an unwed mother came to you and said that her child was conceived of the Holy Spirit without an earthly father, would you believe it? Because that's what we've been asked to believe. Would you believe it? But here's the thing. What we do believe is what the scriptures tell us. I do believe that, by the way, obviously. But this is what the scriptures tell us. The birth of this child was foretold thousands of years before he arrived, wasn't it? And not only this child, but his life was described. When this child, um, this child would grow, he would become a man. He would have power over the wind and the waves. He would power over disease. He would power over death. Do you believe that about Jesus? Is that too hard for your, for your, for your faith to, to lay a hold of? No, it's not, is it? And when he was crucified, the third day he was raised from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for you and I. And millions upon millions of people have placed their faith in him. Is that too hard for you to believe? No, it's not. Because we're talking about God here, aren't we? I mean, the very word itself, this is why, this is number one reason why we believe this. The very word, the very authority of God's spoken word tells us that Jesus was the Son of God. He was not the Son of a man. Not the Son of a man. And we see it repeated in the scriptures. So that's, 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 that's the first thing. That's the simple thing to get past. The scriptures show us over and over. There was, the scriptures tell us, in fact, there was never a moment, he being the Son of God, there never was a moment in the life of Christ. Let's talk about the human life of Christ from when he was conceived within her womb, from that moment that he was not the Son of God. There never, ever was. Jesus was God, the God-man from the beginning. That's the Christmas story, by the way. You know, he, he was. And, and as such as he was, he was sinless. From the beginning, he was sinless in word, thought and deed from the very beginning. He existed in the beginning with God. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us that, doesn't it? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. We jump down to verse 14 and it tells us, and the word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt amongst us. Jesus has always existed and always will. He was from the very beginning God, well, in his conception, sorry, he was God in human flesh. He is God expressing himself. This is the wonderful thing about Christmas. He is God expressing himself in a language that you and I can understand. Someone put it this way when they said that Bethlehem, in, or at Bethlehem, Jesus became what we could so Jesus became what we are so we could begin to understand what he is. So if you've ever felt like God is far away, if you've ever felt that God is mysterious, if you've ever had a desire to know God, and certainly we have, right, then we need to look nowhere else than, of course, at Jesus Christ. And this has lots of implications. The fact that he was virgin born. He was God manifest in the flesh. This has so much implication to you and I. You see, in Jesus, God literally walked a mile within our shoes, didn't he? Well, a lot further than a mile within our shoes. And we know that because this is what the Bible tells us again. 
We know that he can sympathize with all of our weakness, with all of our with all of our what our identity is, whatever it amounts to. With all of our struggles, you know. He was indeed, as we are told in Hebrews, tempted in every way, yet without sin. That's what Hebrews 4 tells us in verse, verse 15. He says, we do not have a high priest. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but was at all points tempted as we are yet again, I say it, without sin. Since Jesus was God in the flesh from the very beginning, it means he literally experienced everything that we experience. He has an unequaled capacity. This is the amazing thing. He has an unequaled capacity for sympathy, and it goes far beyond an intellectual understanding of who you are or, or where you've come from and how you were created. Jesus does not just imagine how it feels to be one of his children. He actually felt it. And so if you feel, if you feel no one understands, and I think this is what Christmas says to us, Forever in that place and we feel that no one understands where we're at, then, then I've got to say, we're wrong. We're very, very wrong. The virgin birth tells me, and this I love, the virgin birth tells me that God is not far removed from my hurts, from your hurts, from my pains, from your pains. God came in human flesh. Let me say it again, that he might be able to fully identify with you. Think about it. Jesus wept at the grave of his dearest friend, Lazarus. He knows what that feels like. He knows what that feels like. Jesus had his best friends turn and forsake him. He understands that. You know, have you been hungry? I mean, really, really hungry? Well, God has been hungry. Isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing concept? The God, the creator of heaven and earth, knows what it is to hunger. You've been tired. You've been weary. You're probably saying right now, right? Well, God knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to be weary. And above all things, have you ever been left alone? Have you ever felt you found yourself in a place so dark and so fearful that you feel that you are completely and desperately by yourself? Have you ever been there? Well, Jesus has. God has. He knows what that is. He experiences all the frailties of humanity so that when I, this is why, so that when I, so that when you can pour out your heart to him, he knows, he understands, he is not far removed from any of us. This is the Christmas message. This is what it's about. You know, I would simply title, you know, I would simply title this message, God gets us. You know, he does. He gets me. He understands me. He cares. So as you read the scriptures, and I know I'm preaching at the choir this morning, I know that, but when you read the scriptures, you read both of Christ's deity, but you also read of his humanity. And this is because as someone, someone said, he was every bit God as though he was not a man, yet every bit man as though he was not God. Don't ask me to explain that. And don't pretend that you ever fully understand that this side of being in his presence. But all I can do is marvel at it. Christmas should be a time when we pause and we marvel at the reality that God became like one of us. Again, we see it throughout his earthly ministry. 
We see it at the grave of Lazarus again in John chapter 11. Everyone around that grave is weeping. And we read again that shortest verse, Jesus wept. That's his humanity, isn't it? He wept. He poured out that heart. He knows the pain. But a few verses later, how wonderful it is. We see his deity rise up and he commands the dead to live. You see them both, don't you? Again, we see him in the sleep in the back of a boat that's being tossed around in a storm. It's like a toothpick in, a, in an ocean, you know, and, and the disciples are in that storm and the disciples are fearing for their life. And where is Jesus? Where is he? He's asleep on the back of that boat. Can you imagine how exhausted he must have been? To be asleep in the midst of that, the disciples are fearing for their very lives. They're going to cry out, don't you care that we perish? But he is so exhausted, he's so tired, he's asleep in the back of the boat, the Bible tells us. That's his humanity, isn't it? But moments later, again in the response to those disciples' cries, what's he doing? I love the scene, you know, you hear me talk about it all the time. I see him standing on his feet. I see him moving towards the front of that boat from the back where he was laying down. And I see him raising his hand. I don't know if he did this, but I can see him raising his hand over the creation and he commands, he says, peace be still. Literally be muzzled. And the very creation submits itself to the words of the creator. That's his divinity. Isn't that amazing? This is Christmas, people. This is Christmas. And of course, he hung upon a cross. He suffered, he bled, and he died as a man. Yet three days later, he rose victoriously from that cross, from that grave, he, from that tomb. He is God. See, he had to become man, didn't he, in order to be able to die as a man. Yet three days later, he had to be God in order to rise from the dead. There's the thing. More importantly than God's capacity to understand me, and to reveal himself to me in this way, of course, it's why he came, right? That's the most important thing, isn't it? Why he came, what Christmas is really all about. You see, if Jesus had been conceived in the way that he came, let me say it again, if Jesus had been conceived by natural means with Joseph or any other human father, he would have been born how? He would have been born a sinner, wouldn't he? Just like you and I. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we've looked at this recently, tells us, clearly states that sin nature and death have both been inherited through our federal head, Adam. And all born are born that way. All that are born of men are born that way. If Jesus was born of an earthly father, he would not have been the son of God and therefore would not have been able to be the true saviour. He would not have been able to save us. He would not have been able to pay for our sin. It's only someone perfect can offer their life as a sacrifice for humanity. And God alone is holy, right? We sing it every week. God alone is perfect. So God alone can atone for sin of mankind. So the only possible solution would be for God to come as God Retaining his purity, retaining his perfection. And only through the miracle of the virgin birth is that even possible. To be our saviour, Jesus has to be holy at his birth. 
Not to become holy, as many people will say. Many people say he became holy or he was rewarded according to his life. No, 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 you have lots of doctrines in the world like that. No, he didn't become holy through his actions and through his choices, which is actually a contradiction in itself, isn't it? To be holy, you always have to be holy. It's like a one-shot thing, right? If there's ever, ever in your existence a moment when you are not perfect, then you cannot ever be perfection, can you? So he has to be God. The perfect, holy God has to be. And only as God in the flesh would Jesus have the power, think about it, to say no to all sin, to all temptation, that he might remain holy to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Only in this way could he become, what is he known as? The spotless lamb of God. Only in this way. So to be our saviour, Jesus had to be God. I know we visit these passages often. But as someone put it, some say he was just a a good teacher. But here's the thing, good teachers don't ever claim to be God, do they? Some say that he was merely a good example. But here's the thing, good examples don't hang out with bad examples, do they? Good examples don't hang out with prostitutes and sinners, no. Some say that he was a madman. But then again, madmen don't speak the way that he spoke. Remember? Remember when they were sent to arrest him? They came back and they said... uh, They said, never a man spoke like this man before. Remember the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross? After he died, he looked up, he heard the last words of Jesus and said, surely this was the Son of God. He had heard words that were beyond beyond human comprehension. Think about it. What do people say that he was a religious phony? Well, religious phonies, they don't rise from the dead very often, do they? You know, there's a lot of those out there. Some say that he was just a, he was just a, a myth. But, you know, stop and think about it. We're here 2,000 years later. And I know we're just a small group of people. But think about it. All over this world... All over this world, people like you and I are gathering together. All over this world, there's going to be something like two billion of us that are going to be worshipping the, the Christ child. Think about what Jesus has done. See, myths come and myths go and they make fantastic movies about them and they, and they you know, have incredible merchandising about them, don't they? They make lots of money of them, don't they? But myths don't change human civilization as Jesus Christ has. Jesus has been called the ideal man. He's been called the example of love. He's been called the highest model of religion. He's been called the, 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 the perfect pattern of virtue, the greatest of all men, the finest of teachers who ever have lived. Now, all of those descriptions, they capture elements of his character, but they fall short of the full truth, don't they? They fall well short of the full truth. It's nowhere better expressed than in Thomas after his resurrection. Remember Jesus on the night of his resurrection appeared to all the disciples except one, Thomas wasn't there. Sometime later, Thomas. Aren't you, aren't you grateful for Thomas? I, I love Thomas. He's not as an excuse, but I just love the humanity of that man. I'm not going to believe unless I see, unless I put my hands in his. It's that I need to see, I need to touch, you know. 
And what a week or so later, Jesus appears before Thomas and there was Jesus. There you go, Thomas. Put your hands in my wounds. Put it in my side, you know. What did he do? What did he do? This is why I love him. He fell down on his knees before Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. Because that's who Jesus is. That's what Christmas is all about. That's who he is. We know this, don't we? Oh, let this resonate in your heart. You know, as you walk past your Christmas tree, as you unpack those presents, as you share them with your loved ones, as you listen to the carols, as you do all of that, let this truth resonate within your heart. He is God. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is God in human flesh. And for Jesus to be God, he must have been born God. He must have been born God. Joseph and Mary, think about it. No other human parents, no one else can produce God, can they? Can they? No, they can't. God cannot be born into this world by natural human processes. There is no way he could be God apart from the fact that he was conceived by God. The virgin birth of Christ is a foundational truth and you can't be saved without it. Because only God can save you. To throw it out is unnecessary, is to reject Christ's deity, is to reject the, the authority and the accuracy of the scriptures, is to, reflect, is to reject so many other doctrines that are surrounded the reality of who he is. He is the central, or this in fact, let me say this, the virgin birth of Christ is the central fact of Christianity. You can't have Christianity without it. The whole substructure, substructure of our entire faith collapses if Jesus is not virgin born. If Jesus was born of human parents, there is no way to describe his supernatural life. Because only God can do the things that he did. His substitutionary death, his resurrection from the dead. I've said it all before this morning. You can't have any of it without the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He could not conquer death. He couldn't conquer sin. He could not conquer Satan and hell. He couldn't deliver us from our destinies apart from him to bring him into union and to fellowship with he and the Father. He could not do it if he was not God himself. He had to be born of a virgin. That's why we have some those those verses that do resonate and do capture our heart neither is there remember acts chapter 4 neither is there salvation in any for there is no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved what is that name what is that name it's it's what it's jesus you know what jesus means it means jehovah or yahweh saves it means Yahweh saves. Only God saves. His name tells you who he is. And God was always God. Even in the womb of a teenage girl named Mary. That's Christmas. Amen? I know you know this. I know you know this. But we're going to gather on, on um, Wednesday morning for a brief service. We'll be in and out of here, you know, uh, within an hour from between 9 and 10. And if you can make it, we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter, chapter 9 and we're going to look at that wonderful, wonderful prophecy. It talks about God coming again. Amen? Amen.
Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. Encourage one another. Stay for some fellowship if you've got time. Meet some new friends. We're going to worship him again. And uh, Merry Christmas to you all. God bless you.